Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! It may be because he's Swiss, I don't know, in terms of European style. I can take you to Suplex City tonight, bitch. Can you say the alphabet backwards? Well, I can look your ass backwards. You're not funny and nobody likes you. This ain't Monday Night Raw! This my friend! It's Wrestle Rant Radio. <laughs> Welcome back, folks, to WrestleRant Radio here today for February 9th, 2016. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. we got a loaded show on tap for you guys here today. Daniel Bryan retiring from in-ring competition last night on Monday Night Raw. Of course, a very sad occurrence. It's happening last night on Raw. We're talking about it on WrestleRant Radio. RJ is not joining me here today, but we do have a very special guest. His favorite wrestler, Daniel Bryan, retired last night. We're going to get the inside scoop from... Himself at J Knapp's ring rap, John Knapp. John, how you doing today, brother? I'm back. <laughs> how you doing, Graham? Good to be here. Always great to talk to you, man. We talked for an in-depth conversation yesterday. We we're on the phone talking all about Daniel Bryan. That was before Raw. So now I want to get your thoughts. I mean, for the people that didn't hear your thoughts on Daniel Bryan's retirement, other than myself, of course, I want to get your thoughts on D Bry calling it a career last night on Raw. We gotta address the elephant in the room. Raw, nothing else matters right now. One of the greatest wrestlers in the world, period, retiring last night on Raw due to medical concerns and reasons and whatnot. So what was your initial reaction when you heard the news and what do you think the future holds for the American Dragon, Daniel Bryan? Well, when I first read the tweet that he sent out, um, I had a lot of thoughts racing through my head. Um, I know the very first thing I thought was I gotta send this to Graham. Because you know, I needed I needed you to know so I can <laughs> have someone to share my pity with, um, my my sorrow. Um, but then I, uh, I had some some thoughts of you know confusion. I, I I wasn't quite sure if maybe this was a work, if this was a shoot. I uh, I know that if it was a work, it was the most sophisticated work of all time. That was, those are my thoughts at the time because you know WWE.com was tweeting out all these um, reports and uh, all these. Wrestlers and talent were saying, thank you, Daniel Bryan. So I thought, if this is a work, this is the most sophisticated work I've ever been a part of, I've ever witnessed. And I, <coughs> excuse me, I'm sorry. I even called you later uh, yesterday, like you said, we spoke on the phone, and I, I told you that if this was going to be a work, I would love, 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 love for Daniel Bryan to be out there, you know, te- uh, telling everyone he's getting ready to retire, and then we hear uh, the music of Kevin Owens go off. And we have a little Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan program going into WrestleMania. But alas, that wasn't what took place. That wasn't what transpired. Um, Daniel Bryan told everyone, he elaborated, like he uh, said in his tweet, he told everyone that, um, unfortunately, he got some, some new tests, some more recent tests, and the shape of his brain was not um, as up to a standard as, you know, was previously thought, you know, his... Uh, his mental, not his mental health, but the, the, the concussions were starting to add up. And um, it was getting to the point where he could do some permanent damage to his health, his family, his happiness, his well-being, all of that. And so once I heard that, once I heard those new reports that he said on Monday Night Raw, I was, I was 100% okay with seeing uh, the American Dragon go. Because, I mean, it's selfish for me to, to want to see Brian Danielson continue this character on this fictional wrestling show. Um, and it, it would be selfish for me to want to see that over him, you know, having a long, healthy life. And um, so I'll go with the latter. I'll definitely take, you know, having Daniel Bryan live a long, nice, you know, prosperous life with the family and his wife than uh, seeing him, you know, deteriorate in the ring. But um, sad to see him go. Very sad to see him go. Uh, I'm going to miss Daniel Bryan. You know, like we talked on the phone yesterday, and this was before all the news kind of came out. I mean, of course, by that point, we already knew he was retiring. But 
at that point in for weeks, I mean, I thought, you know, we talked about this, you know, weeks ago when we hung out at the dawn of 2016, and my official prediction for this year, unfortunately, was that he was not going to wrestle for WWE again. However, he would wrestle again for another promotion. We talked yesterday of Ring of Honor, definitely not TNA, uh, Lucha, something. But it looks like based off what he said, as you said, he his health just isn't up to par. I know he was cleared by many doctors last year. But whatever tests he had done that were reported about right before the Rumble, and that's why a lot of people thought he was coming back, and he didn't, obviously. Um, but a lot of the tests that he had done, I believe in either Pittsburgh or Philadelphia, New York City, whatever it might have been up here in the Northeast, said that, as you said, his brain was not up to par. It was in a weird shape after so many concussions, as he talked about last night on Raw, that he took earlier on in his career. It seemed like the, the career, or rather the concussion that he suffered last spring was the final nail in the coffin. And... Um, you know, wrestling again might do further injury, and it's and he's only thirty something years old. So I think it might have been Cody Rhodes who said in a YouTube video for WWE's channel on uh, on YouTube yesterday that whether he's happy, if he's happy, then the fans are happy, and I couldn't agree more. But like you said on Twitter, RG said in an article, I've said it many times, the whole universe was saying it last night. Hashtag thank you, Daniel Bryan, for a great career. And um, I'm hoping, I'm fingers crossed that he sticks with the company. I know before he turned down roles to be an announcer or a trainer or whatever the heck he, you know, they, they, they threw out him before the news broke that he was, was officially retiring from entering competition. I'm hoping he sticks with the company as an ambassador going forward. We see more of him on TV, whether it be as a GM or something. You can have a little fun dynamic there with the authority, so I'm looking forward to seeing what they do there. Um, but even beyond that, kind of getting to the more positive side of things, John, like I said, your favorite wrestler before he retired in WWE, your favorite memories of Daniel Bryan in his six-year stint in WWE and beyond. Well, I was actually attempting to vlog about this last night, around 3 o'clock in the morning, I wanted to, you know, just get my favorite Daniel Bryan moments and matches and things of that nature on, onto the camera, you know, for, for future prosperity. And um, unfortunately, I, I couldn't get the right, you know, the right lighting, and the video, the video didn't come to fruition. But I do have uh, my mental notes from that video, so I can share them here with you right now. Uh, Daniel Bryan, um, I, I have to include this because this is when he really flew onto my radar, um, and that was when we met him in uh, 2010 mm-hmm. at the uh, Northeast Wrestling Show, where he took on Shelton Benjamin in the main event. It was a great match, and. He really um, exceeded what I thought he was capable of that night. I mean, I was just going there. I mean, I think I was more excited to meet Carlito that night <laughs> than I was to meet Daniel Bryan. The United States and, champion at that time. Uh, yes, yes. And, um, so it, it just goes to show uh, how how little I, I thought of him at the time, and I, I think that is due in part to Michael Cole's pairing of him on the mic um, <laughs> on, on commentary. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think it's safe to say that throughout 2010, 2011, Daniel Bryan was kind of just flying low in my radar. I didn't really think much of him. And then I tried to remember, I tried to recall the very first time that I uh, began to appreciate Daniel Bryan for not only his in-ring work, but uh, where he stood as a character in WWE programming. And I believe that the promo that really turned me on to him was after... Uh, <laughs> The Big Show knocked AJ Lee down outside of the ring on it was either a late 2011 or early 2012 episode of Friday Night SmackDown, mm-hmm. and Daniel Bryan screaming at the show saying, "She's 95 pounds, <laughs> you're a giant," <laughs> and um, that was that was the promo that I was like, "Huh, this guy, this guy can uh, this guy can talk. He's got something going for him. He's not bland. You know, he can be entertaining when he wants to be." And he really carried that momentum in 2012. I think <clears throat> 2012 was really the raw year for him. Not Monday Night Raw. I think it was the raw <laughs> where, where he was molded. Like he was, he was just a raw piece of material, and then he was molded into what he is now. Um, I think 2012 was that year for him where he really took to being a heel, like a fish to water, really. Because um, once he. Uh, once he became, you know, one of the top heels on Monday Night Raw and SmackDown, he went right into a, a, a tag team with Kane, Team Hell No, which I did come out saying last night was my favorite tag team of all time. Mm. I got, I got to throw that out there. And and, one, and once he was in Team Hell No, and they and they organically became, you know, babyface. Uh, that was that was it. He was ready. I think the, the yes and no chance were going back and forth then. And uh, he worked with Kane very well. 
And, you know, that just that catapulted him into 2013 where, you know, uh, I think what, at least my top five favorite thing to Brian Matthews occurred at SummerSlam 2013 where he took on John Cena and beat him clean for the WWE Championship. And it's just, it's really, it's really cool that you can um, kind of just go through Daniel Bryan's career and see, you know, the peaks and the valleys and everything. And he's just, he, he's captured the hearts and, and minds of all of us. But um, my favorite Daniel Bryan match, I, I think I'll just go out there and say it right now. I, I would have to say easily my favorite Daniel Bryan match would be Daniel Bryan, Triple H, WrestleMania 30. It's hard to go back and forth between that match or the main event of that show between him, Batista, and Orton. Tap out Batista! Tap out Batista! Michael Cole was great on those calls, and that is a great triple threat match. I believe we put mm-hmm. that in the top five WrestleMania main events in our WrestleMania main event countdown. And I love that main event, but um, I think what made Triple H and O'Brien so special is that we had been working up to that for the better part of seven, eight months. Mm-hmm. And that was just that was that was the story, you know. Yep. I mean, Dan O'Brien win the championship was um, in product a byproduct a, by, a byproduct of uh, the WWE universe just loving him so much. Mm-hmm. But the story at the end of the day was Dan O'Brien, you know, resisting the authority. Exactly, and that's what he did when he beat Triple H. And that was the feud that had been building since SummerSlam. Exactly, a rare example of, of great long-term storytelling in WWE. But before we let you go, John, got two questions for you. One. What kind of impact do you think Daniel Bryan leaves in WWE upon leaving the company? You know, overall, kind of speaking. And two, do you think his career is WWE Hall of Fame worthy? Um, I can answer the second one easily in saying yes. <laughs> Daniel Bryan has had a Hall of Fame worthy career. Um, I mean, he's he's up there, man. He's up there. I would say that uh, he is the most over WWE superstar since CM Punk, and he's easily top 10 most over WWE superstars of the 21st century. Agreed. I mean, he, he's really he's really one of those, those special guys. He's one of the good guys. And then um, your first question, what was that again? Uh, what kind of legacy does Daniel Bryan leave in, in WWE upon retiring? I think I, 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 I was racking my brain with this question. You know, is Daniel Bryan the guy that, you know, made it okay to be a little guy in WWE Champion? Well, no. I mean, there have been little guys as WWE Champion before. Was Daniel Bryan that guy who really opened the door for, you know, these indie darlings to come in uh, to WWE? I mean, in a, in a way, yes, but I mean, there, there have been indie darlings in WWE before. He's, he's, uh, he's not directly responsible for that. And the best answer I can think of is that Daniel Bryan, Daniel Bryan is responsible his legacy is that he is responsible for waking up the WWE universe in a time of stag- in a period of stagnation and a period of just uh, a lot of bland content, and that for years and years and years the WWE universe was just you know taking what they were given and reacting to that appropriately, and Daniel Bryan was the guy who came in. And, you know, how he was treated woke everyone up. People started saying, like, like, no, we're tired of the cookie-cutter WWE champion. We like this guy, and we want this guy to be the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. I mean, that, that kind of started with guys like Zack Ryder, who organically got over, but his momentum was squashed. Dan O'Brien, he organically got over through his great in-ring work, his entertaining persona on WWE television, and people just clamored for him. They pushed for him to be successful, and he was eventually successful because so many people wanted to see him be successful. So I think that Daniel Bryan is the is the WWE superstar that woke up the WWE universe in this uh, foggy, hazy uh, veil that's been over us for probably a decade now. I couldn't agree more, especially at a time like in late 2013, early 2014, during his rise, his you know real most prominent rise to superstardom, when the product really wasn't all that great, and he was the shining, the, the saving grace of a product, especially when Punk left too, uh, became the guy to watch in WWE TV every single week. But like I said before, looking forward to seeing what he does in the future, whether it's associated with WWE or not. But John, 
Thanks coming on as always, brother. I appreciate it. But before we let you go, your Twitter, your uh, articles, where people can find your work, anything you want to plug, dude. All right, Graham. Thank you so much. You guys can follow me at JMaps Ring Rap on Twitter. I got, I got a lot of nice tweets coming out of there. <laughs> and as far as articles, you can catch me on NextEraWrestling.net and the John Jargon section of the website. I got a couple of nice Daniel Bryan articles in the lab right now. I think I can uh, announce this one clearly as I'll be working on it tonight. But uh, tonight I'll be working on the top ten Daniel Bryan matches that didn't happen in WWE or that never were in WWE. Uh, things that I would have loved to see, but unfortunately we'll never get the chance to see. So that is uh, in the works right now. And, uh, yeah, guys, thank you so much. And, Graham, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm looking forward to that article. There's a lot of possibilities. Brock Lesnar, Finn Balor, Sami Zayn. There's a lot of different guys I'm sure you can touch Don't on. Don't give it all away, Graham. <laughs> Just a sneak preview. You guys can check that out coming soon <laughs> next to wrestling.net. But like I said, dude, as always, thanks for coming on. Hashtag thank you, Dan O'Brien, and I'll catch you down the road, dude. I'll catch you, Graham. See you, man. See you. All right, that was John. Thanks to John for coming on, as always. Like he said, follow him on the Twitter, at JNAPSRingRap. A lot of great tweets coming out of there. Retweeted him a number of times last night during the very emotional retirement promo from one Daniel Bryan, which we kind of touched upon there. Um, but I thought the promo itself was great. I mean, I wasn't really too shocked. And I'll go in a little bit more in depth here. Um, when the news broke, I was actually just about to film Hashtag AskGSM, cheap plug on YouTube only, and XRWrestling.net technically. But uh, RJ and I were just about to sit down to film that video when he got the update on his phone from TMZ that he had to retire. And when I heard that, it was devastating news, very disappointing news. But like I've told, I told this to John, I've told this to many people in the last 24 hours, it wasn't super surprising. Like I said, I wrote an article for Hidden Remote at the beginning of the year that said Daniel Bryan will leave WWE. Now, I said that because I figured he wouldn't, quote-unquote, retire, because I figured he would wrestle elsewhere. But upon hearing what Daniel Bryan said last night, and that his health really isn't the greatest of shape after so many bumps and bruises and concussions that he has suffered over the course of his 20-year career in wrestling, that's no longer possible. Um, but still, I mean, after being out for almost 10 months at this point, he got... I believe he suffered the concussion in mid-April on the European tour the WWE was on last April, but he officially left and vacated the Intercontinental Championship in mid-May. And like I said, a lot of people were hoping that he would be back in the Royal Rumble match. I really wasn't, I mean, I would have loved to see. I wasn't holding out hope just because I didn't think it was all that realistic. But if he had been ready to go, they would have cleared him before that. You know what I mean? I felt... Especially with Corey Graves. They know Corey Graves, Daniel Bryan, two very different superstars in the pecking order on opposite sides of the spectrum in WWE. One was a developmental guy. The other one was one of the biggest stars that we've seen in years in WWE. But it would have been double standards had they cleared one and not the other. Corey Graves also suffered two concussions. I had no idea. I have no idea what his prior history was with concussions before that point, before he officially retired in late 2014. Um... But he had to retire because of those concussions, and it was probably for the better. I'm thinking, you know, you hear a concussion. It's not something that takes a physical toll on the body. Maybe not physical, but something that you can tell. It's not like a broken arm or uh, maybe even a broken neck that does become apparent. They have to wear a neck brace for it or whatever it might be. You know, a broken leg that also can end one's career or whatever. A concussion is something that's internal, that's especially with the most recent movie that came out. I did not get to see it. I heard it was great, though, with um, with Will Smith that came out on Christmas. Especially with all that going on, all the concussion awareness, it just wouldn't have been good timing at all for Daniel Bryan to come back to action, as, at least the WWE. And, and upon hearing what he said last night, that if he wrestled again, not that he would die or anything like Edge, um, when he had you know the neck surgery or whatever, and one bad bump could you know paralyze him forever. But it would not be well. And like Daniel Bryan said himself, you know, he's going to be starting a family soon with Brie Bella. I don't know how long she'll be around for. I'm sure not that much longer. Um, but she will be contending for the championship at Fastlane next Sunday. We'll be getting to our Fastlane predictions next week here on the show. Hopefully with RJ. He's once again at internship this Tuesday or today when I'm recording this. Um, whenever you're listening to this during the week, but he should be back next week for that. But nevertheless, um, a great retirement promo right up there with Edges, which I did shed a tear for. That completely took me by surprise. That one, no one saw coming when that happened. And at least Daniel Bryan, we kind of got an inkling that it was possible um, over the last couple of months. Shawn Michaels was great. Ric Flair's, I feel like, can't be topped. 
Um, but he almost broke down at a few points. Daniel Bryan, that is, when he was talking about his father, he held himself together like a true professional. In his hometown, not his hometown, but his home state of Washington in Seattle, just an amazing crowd all night long, specifically for that ending segment. And I'm glad it went out the way, you know, he went out on maybe not his terms. Um, he wouldn't have retired the way that he wanted to. But, I mean, look at the career that he left behind. Not even including the stuff backstage and – which I'll get to momentarily, but just the accomplishments alone that he had in WWE in his six-year career. I mean, Austin, you know, even Austin in WWE wrestled from 96 to, what, 2003? That wasn't even as regular. He was wrestling part-time from 2000 onward. You know, he came back in 01, wrestled all of that year, but he wasn't a regular in 02. He was around for half of the year, wrestled a couple matches in 03, then re officially retired. So, um, you know, it kind of reminds me of that in a way. Now, I'm not saying he's the next Stone, or he was the Stone Cold Steve Austin. He kind of was in the way that he was, um, in terms of popularity-wise, at least, in, um, in 2013, 2014, Daniel Bryan, that is. Um, but just in terms of career span, and, you know, Daniel Bryan, of course, wrestled, wrestled for a long time before that. Uh, but just look at his accomplishments, accomplishments alone over the past six years. The former United States champion, Intercontinental champion, Tag Team Champion, Money in the Bank winner, former World Heavyweight Champion, three-time WWE Champion, main event at WrestleMania, one of, I think, not one of few people to have competed at WrestleMania twice, if not one at WrestleMania twice, period. I don't think many people, if anyone else, can say that. And um, having the impact that he did on that company, like I said to John, in the latter half of 2013, early part of 2014, was just... Incredible. I mean, there's really not many other words to describe it other than just incredible, amazing, unprecedented with the way that he single-handedly changed the card for WrestleMania 30 and even, to an extent, WrestleMania 31 with all the popularity, all the backlash coming out of him not winning in 2015 when I believe he should have. That's another discussion for another day. It's long gone now. It's a moot point. Um, but because of the backlash surrounding that, he wasn't put in the main event of WrestleMania 31, granted, but... Um, he was put in contention for the championship en route to WrestleMania that year in a great match with Roman Reigns at last year's Fastlane event and ended up winning the Intercontinental Championship. If it hadn't been for that, he probably would have faced Sheamus again at WrestleMania, a match that WWE, specifically Vince, had wanted to do for years and years and years, and it never came to fruition, thankfully. Um, but it looks like, you know, just the, the career that he left behind will just be unparalleled, I think is the perfect word to sum up Daniel Bryan's career in WWE alone. And like John said, I talked about it before in a past video blog. I talked about it yesterday on the Facebook page and hashtag thank you, Daniel Bryan, that we got to meet him. Um, back then, that was when I officially became a fan of Daniel Bryan. And only two weeks earlier did he win the United States Championship at the 2010 Night of Champions pay-per-view. And I will always say this, I've always said this, and I will continue to say my favorite Daniel Bryan match, which is... Absurd to say, I'm sure, considering all the other great matches he had in WWE with CM Punk, another personal favorite of mine, the triple threat at WrestleMania, the match with Triple H at WrestleMania, the match with Sheamus from 2012's Extreme Rules in Chicago. All of those matches were amazing, but my personal connection lies within that match at, um, at Night of Champions 2010, the second only ever pay-per-view I ordered, um, a, a very, very few before the network came around. And not because of that one match, but just that match, it, it stole the show for me. I thought it was Miz's best WWE match ever, if not one of them. Um, definitely not Daniel Bryan's best WWE match, but my favorite match of his, because I knew from two weeks from that point forward, because even before he came back to WWE at SummerSlam that year, I knew I was going to meet him at this show in early October. And um, I think it might have been Waterbury, or I'm pretty sure it was Waterbury, not Danbury, Connecticut. I knew that I was meeting him, and if he won this match against Miz that I would get to meet him as United States champion. He was defending the belt that Sunday at the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. I met him on October 1st. It was a great experience. The match was great. I always watch back that pay-per-view, that one match, and I always get chills listening to that call and Michael Cole going crazy. That was back when he hated Daniel Bryan. He was burying him every single week. It was great. Um, so that's my personal favorite Daniel Bryan match, and I'll probably do an article on that similar to John, either for nextairwrestling.net or whatever else in the next you know week or so. Maybe even a video blog. We'll see. Um, but even kind of going beyond the stuff that he did in the ring, kind of looking in the impact that he had on the industry, and I've you know, talked about this with a number of people over the last 24 hours, but like I said, other than just changing, completely changing the entire landscape of the WrestleMania card based, on how, based off how over he was in late 2013, early 2014, just kind of changing the perception of indie guys 
in WWE. I think it was Joey Styles who who pointed that out on Twitter yesterday, either during the promo or afterwards or whatever it might have been, um, pointing out, in my opinion, both him and CM Punk. Because before CM Punk got hot in 2011, there really weren't many indie guys in the WWE system. And if they were, they were either in developmental, not really doing much, not getting called up. Rollins didn't get called up for a solid two years. He got signed in late 2010, and he kind of floundered. I mean, he did some great stuff down in FCW, don't get me wrong, but he never got called up as soon as he probably should have. And if he did, he probably would have floundered had it not been for the Shield. And that's not a reflection on his talent. It's just a reflection on how the WWE landscape was at that period in time. And, of course, the same night that CM Punk had one of the best matches, my favorite CM Punk match of all time at the 2011, my favorite match period of all time, with uh, John Cena, the Money in the Bank 2011 pay-per-view. That same night, Daniel Bryan won Money in the Bank, went on to cash it in to become world champion, and the rest is history. And it's amazing the fact that he lost the world championship in 18 seconds. The backlash also from that was a turning point in the Daniel Bryan character. Now, had that not happened, I don't know what would have happened. And if, had they had a great match, who knows? But because he lost in such embarrassing fashion at that year's WrestleMania in 2012 in Miami at WrestleMania 28 was really a turning point for me, you know, putting aside the U.S. title win and the Money in the Bank win, all that other stuff that he had success for in the prior two years that he had in WWE. That one loss and the way that it went down and the fan reaction and the next night's WrestleMania crowd, post-WrestleMania crowd on Raw was what really, to me, cemented him as a star in the main event scene and in the years that followed. Um, but just an incredible impact. I mean, you I, I don't think, anyway, that you would see guys like Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, Hideo Itami, Cesaro, Seth Rollins. Not that they wouldn't be in WWE, but I don't think they would be where they are currently on the card had it not been for guys like Daniel Bryan and CM Punk kind of changing the perception of what it is to be a successful indie talent based off. I mean, Bryan wasn't the greatest mic worker, but you look at his in-ring work alone, and he really kind of made a character for himself especially during the time that, like John mentioned, during Team Hell No. I mean, I liked Daniel Bryan before that, like I said, but that stuff that he did with Team Hell No was hysterical. Some of the best stuff I've ever seen during WWE in the year of 2013, which I thought was kind of a, not a down year, but it certainly was one of my favorite years in the company's history in recent years since I've been a fan anyway. But the Team Hell No stuff I thought was amazing, and that kind of came out of nowhere. It just kind of happened out of, uh, out of happenstance just because they paired the two together, not expecting anything to come from it because they had no plans for either Kane or Brian, and it blossomed into something amazing. But all in all, a just a legendary, a legendary, iconic career for Daniel Bryan, not only in wrestling and not only in WWE, but in wrestling in general. And he will be missed. Um, such an impact that he made on the company and wrestling, in, you know, period based off the places that he wrestled, including WWE and Ring of Honor and Japan and all over the independent scene. Uh, but like I said to John, hopefully he will continue to play a role of some sort in WWE going forward. I know he had previously turned on roles to be an announcer or a trainer or whatever, but I'm pretty sure, like he said, he fought it for a long time. He fought it for a long time, and he went to doctor after doctor after doctor, and they all cleared him except for this one guy who then said he could, if he wrestled again, he could risk further injury. Um, but I think that, like I said, he turned down those roles before he had found out that, uh, that he couldn't wrestle again. So maybe going forward, we'll find out uh, what his status is with the company, what his contract status is. I have no idea. I think I read something on it yesterday. I just slipped my mind. I have no idea, you know, thinking back on it now. Um, but even still, I hope to see him involved in the company in, in some fashion, some former fashion going forward, whether it be as a GM which um, Tom from uh, WWE EC Radio, we'll talk to him on Thursday. I'll get into that in just a minute. He pitched to me this morning that maybe you have Daniel Bryan as the GM. or I know Regal's doing a great job, but maybe you have him as, in charge of NXT and Storyline, and you have Triple H in charge of the main roster. You can have a great dynamic there, and he doesn't want NXT call-ups because they're, you know, you know, Daniel Bryan is in charge of them. Whatever. There's some fun stuff you could do in Storyline Either him as commissioner, you know, a la McFoley in 2000, which I thought was some of the best TV I've ever seen from that time period. I love the Attitude Era. I don't love the Attitude Era, but I mean, you know, the Attitude Era speaks for itself. But I go back and watch segments from that time period, and McFoley was one of the best parts about WWE, in my opinion, at that time in the latter half of 2000 as commissioner. It was just the segments that he had were priceless with Edge and Christian and Kurt Angle, and the list goes on and on. I feel like Daniel Bryan, especially if he's channeling his inner team hell no self can have a great run as commissioner if they gave him that role if he you know chose to accept it um but like the, you know like john said i absolutely agree he is hall of fame bound 
and that probably will happen. I mean, I could say it is happening as soon as next year. Uh, I wouldn't put him in as soon as next year. I would put him in later down the line, but I wouldn't you know, be objected to him going next year just because, I mean, we've seen people like Edge going really, really soon, Booker T. It might be because, and from what I've seen, you know, Edge's contract had actually expired the month after he got inducted, and they wanted to make sure they got him in the Hall of Fame, so they don't risk him you know, getting on bad terms with the company or whatever else happened or could happen. Like we've seen in the past, I mean, Warrior didn't get in the Hall of Fame before he, I mean, he was already on bad terms with the company for years before he eventually went in, and they don't want a repeat of that with all these other people, because you never know what might happen. But hopefully he does go in at some point. It could be as soon as next year, that'd be fine, but he definitely is Hall of Fame worthy, in my opinion. So like I said, hashtag, thank you, Daniel Bryan, he will be missed, and I look forward to seeing what his future holds, whether it be in the world of wrestling or just in general, I'm sure his future is very bright. So on that note, that's half the show gone right there. We're going to go for another 30 more minutes talking about Raw and some other news items and news and notes in the world of wrestling that did not involve Daniel Bryan from the past week. But I will take this time to do a few cheap plugs, you know, articles and stuff I'll save towards the end if I remember. But uh, I will say this. I was talking to Tom today from WWEC Radio, and if you missed it, I didn't go into too much detail when I hyped it up last week here on WrestleRant Radio, but you can check it out on this very website, nextairwrestling.net, and also, and I'll, and I'll get to that in a second, I guess, the whole live aspect, but um, WWEC Radio, a new show to nextairwrestling.net will be exclusive. Also to EC Radio, and that comes back up in the next couple of weeks. I'll talk about that in a minute. But um, WWEC Radio, every single Thursday, the first episode is already up. It went up last Thursday on nextairwrestling.net. We were hoping to do like a half-hour show. We ended up going for an hour. We could very well go for half-hour, hour. This week, we'll find out. We record it on Thursdays at 1, so the show should be up by that Thursday afternoon this upcoming week. We were tossing around ideas today. We talked about we talked about Raw last week, but what we might do going forward is save the Raw recap and all that other big stuff for this show. And then on WWEC Radio on Thursdays, because it's right before SmackDown, after NXT, whatever else, we might do an NXT recap SmackDown preview show. So I think that would be pretty cool, and we could do that going forward. So we'll see what... What, what the landscape, what kind of the criteria for that show fits um, this upcoming Thursday. So check it out. Tune in to nextearwrestling.net this upcoming Thursday for the second episode of WWEC Radio for myself and Tom's thoughts on the world of wrestling, specifically NXT and SmackDown. Speaking of which, also in the audio archive, it kind of flips some things around on the website here. So check that out. Kind of rearranged some stuff on the site and uh, took some things away, put them some things in. So also in the audio archive, audio archive here on the website, you can check out on the right-hand side where you're listening to the archived episodes of WrestleRant Radio. we got categories now. One for WrestleRant Radio, which you're listening to right now. WWE EC Radio, which will, all new episodes will be uploaded on Thursdays. Excerpts also up that same day on the YouTube channel. And then also I have old episodes of the Spoilers Podcast. Now anyone who's followed me for a long time knows of the show that I did with Ben Gartland from 2011 to 2013. Had a great time. We did over... 70 episodes, I think almost exactly 70 episodes, but all 70 episodes are up here on the website, on the audio archive, on the archive section, go to the right hand side, go to the spoilers podcast, they're all data, they're all backlogged from October 2011 to July 2013, some great episodes, some great interviews up from that show, if you want to check them out, the show usually rang, uh, ran from half an hour to an hour to two hours sometimes, so check that out if you want to. And that's about it for cheap plugs for right now. We'll get back into the Raw recap right now. We'll get back to that stuff at the end of the show. Um, But yeah, before we get into Raw, though, I do want to talk about some news and notes from the world of wrestling over the past week that, like I said, did not involve Daniel Bryan, which kind of um, overshadowed everything else, and rightfully so. But past Thursday, last Thursday, we um, Axel Rotten, we lost uh, him, the ECW original. He passed away at the age of 44. Very sad to hear that it wasn't really too aware, not aware, but too familiar with his work. I'm not a huge ECW guy. I think I've seen only one ECW pay-per-view. I know who he was, though. Um, I listened to his podcast. On Talk is Jericho with Chris Jericho. He was a big supporter of his. He passed away last week, I believe. I, I think of suicide. He posted something that Thursday afternoon that indicated it was suicide that is yet to be confirmed, so I didn't take my word for it. It kind of appeared to be that way, though. Um, but he did pass away, I believe, in like the... The parking lot of like a McDonald's or something like that of overdose. I don't know the exact details, but that's just what I heard and read um, late last week. So that was sad to hear. So my thoughts, prayers, and condolences go out to the friends, families, and fa- friends, family, and uh, fans of Axel Rotten. But also last, we got a couple of releases on Friday and Thursday. 
From the WWE NXT side, Bull Dempsey got released, as well as Sylvester Lafour and Marcos Louis, in addition to two other developmental talents that had never made their debut on WWE NXT TV. They had just been signed to a contract. I don't know who they are. But, um, yeah, Bull Dempsey, Sylvester Lafour, and Marcus Louis are gone from NXT. Not too shocking. Louis and Lafour have been gone from TV for a long time. They've been in NXT since I started watching in mid-2013. I watched a little bit in 2012, but I didn't really start watching regularly until the summer of 2013. But yeah, they're both gone. They've been gone for a while. They've been off TV for a while. Never cared for Louis at all. I thought he was fine when he had hair. Like, he always just seemed generic to me. Like, I hate to see anyone out of a job, but he just very seemed very, very generic whenever I watched him on NXT. LaFort, rather, I thought had some potential as a manager. I thought he was a really good one. I don't know if he was a good worker, but I thought he had a lot of... Um, potential in that managerial role because he had a lot of great mic skills. I thought he did have very good mic skills, but um, they, they kind of teased that idea for a while. I think he managed he managed somebody on like the NXT house show circuit. I forgot who it was, but never really came to TV before he got cut. So, And he had a heartfelt message. He posted something either on Facebook or Twitter or something, so that was cool. Um, very nice of him, very generous, so that was that was nice. But um, sad to see him go. I thought they could have done more with him. Bull Dempsey was the biggest star of them all. That's not saying much, but he was the bigger star of all five guys released last Friday from NXT. Um, I thought they could have done more with him, too. I thought the whole Bullfit gimmick, I mean, it got over. I mean, anything's basically over with the NXT audience in full sale. But uh, I got to see him live when I went to NXT TakeOver Brooklyn. He wrestled the match against, um, of all people, I think it might have been uh, Elias Sampson, who's now been redebuted, who has now been since repackaged as the Drifter, who I thought, that's a stupid gimmick. If anyone should go, it's him. I think he's a good worker, but the, the gimmick sucks. The Bullfit thing, I thought, got over for a time in NXT. They just never really had anything in mind for him beyond that point. He never did anything. He lost to Alex Riley most recently in NXT, so he didn't really go anywhere. So it's not too surprising that he's gone. I just thought they could have done more with him. I thought he was, you know, had a lot more potential as the Bullfit character than he ever did as the uh, modern-day Brooklyn Brawler or the modern-day Taz, which, you know, who he was trained by, by the way. Um, but that was the gimmick that he was doing when he debuted in, like, late 2013, early 2014 when he feuded with Baron Corbin and whoever else. Thought that was kind of a waste. Um, but, yeah, I thought they could do more with him. So sad to see him go. Uh, sad to see him go. So on the TNA side, Austin Kong got released last Friday. Um, not too shocking if you heard about the incident, then you probably aren't too surprised either. But she was fired last Friday after an incident backstage with Rebby Sky. And um, both of them don't really have the cleanest of track records in wrestling. Rebby Sky is... I've met her before. She's a very nice woman, so I can't really say anything bad about her. But um, I guess there was some war of the words going on between the two many years ago. Like, we're not going back a month or two. This has gone back two or three years. Back when Awesome Kong did a, a shoot interview and said... Some not-so-nice things about Rebby Sky. Rebby Sky caught wind of that, went off on Twitter, said some not-so-nice things about Awesome Kong. So that kind of settled down for a while, and of course Rebby Sky is now more involved in TNA now that her husband, Matt Hardy, is the World Heavyweight Champion. She's an on-air character. So during the UK tour, I think a week or two ago, they got into an altercation backstage. I think Awesome Kong initiated it. She threw her bags outside of the locker room, and she kind of roughed her up a little bit in the presence of the baby, which obviously did not help her cause at all. She was sent home from the UK tour, um, awaiting further action. And, of course, that further action was a release from TNA. She issued a statement on her Twitter um, late last week, as did John Gaborik from the TNA corporate side. Um, big John Gaborik, whatever. So she's gone from TNA. Um, I don't know if it's a huge loss. The Knockouts division needs some fresh blood. It's cool to see Maria in TNA alongside Mike Bennett and Gail Kim still there. They still have, you know, part of the beautiful people. And the Dollhouse can't catch a break. I mean, Tiffany Taryn Terrell left TNA late last year. She's gone. Um, and now Austin Kong's now gone too. Now they have no leader. So I think Austin Kong will probably be on TV in the next couple weeks. I guess we'll see because um, they taped TV through the next couple of months or the next couple of weeks, I imagine. So we'll see what happens to her. But um, whether a WWE return is in her future or not, I have no idea. I don't think so. I would love to see it, but just based off her track record and people with people like Bubba Love Sponge and whatever, I mean, granted, I mean, in her defense, when that happened, it was not, in, I mean, Bubba the Love Sponge is the glorified dick. Um, it's very well documented, but... 
Beyond that, we had a uh, what was it? Oh, that that altercation happened in the spring, winter, whatever of 2010, and then she went to WWE later on that year. But now that two incidents have happened with her backstage, I don't know if WWE is going to take a chance again. And I've seen some people talk about this. The Divas division was an entirely different place five years ago when she first came into the company. We had freaking Kelly Kelly as champion. Eve Torres was good, don't get me wrong, but she wasn't what she later ended up becoming, you know, about a year or so later when she turned heel. We had the Bella Twins, we had Alicia Fox, we're all still around, but just the whole Rosa Mendez was on every single week, you know, Layla, Michelle McCool, it was just a different landscape of wrestlers than we do have, you know, at the moment. So I think her acquisition of WWE was a bit bigger back then, not only because she was a bigger name, but just because the division itself felt very, very stale back in 2011. And unfortunately, her, her stint was short-lived before she got pregnant, and she came back for the one-off in the Rumble, then got released on her own terms. And the door was left open for a return. I hoped for a return, but then she came back at the TNA debut on Destination America, which I was there for. And her coming back, let me tell you, was one of the biggest markout moments that I have ever been in attendance for. I mean, no one saw that coming. When the lights came back on, she confronted Havoc. It was incredible. I've always loved Awesome Kong. Um, I would love to see her back in WWE. I just don't think it's in the cards. Based off her reputation right now, her stock really isn't all that high in the world of wrestling. Um, that, in addition to her back not being in the best of shape, she's not in the greatest physical shape she's ever been in. It looked like she lost some weight. I noted that on Twitter recently when she re-debuted at the... Uh, Bethlehem tapings for TNA and uh, when they debuted on Pop TV early last month, she looked like she lost a lot of weight, so good for her, but I don't think her back's in the greatest of shape, which is why her matches in TNA have not really been as good as they once were. Um, that, that, and again, like I said, the division is a completely different place. They really do not need her as much as they once did five years ago when the division was at its all-time worst. Maybe not its all-time worst, but it was not doing well. And now that we have girls like Charlotte, Sasha Banks... Asuka, Bailey, you know, Becky Lynch, all these other girls that are really, you know, I hate to say because WWE shoved it down our throats, but really revolutionizing women's wrestling, you know, legitimately revolutionizing women's wrestling, not the WWE buzzword, but they have been, really, over the past two or three years. Um, I don't think her presence in WWE is as needed as it was five years ago. Again, I think it would be cool, but they already kind of have that dominant, monster woman personality with Nia Jax. I think Awesome Kong's a lot better, even when injured, than Nia Jax, but um, that's just my opinion. So I don't think a WWE return is in the cards. Would love to see it. I just don't really think it's happening. Um, but anyway, moving forward here before we uh, close out the show, we got a little less than 20 minutes left. I'll kind of go over some parts of Raw. Like I said, we'll get into the SmackDown preview in NXT review this Wednesday, or rather this Thursday, on WWE EC Radio. On EC Radio, which I forgot to mention, is off right now. We are not going live. Not like we really went live all that often anyway, but um, WrestleRant Radio might be going live starting at this same time. I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon around 3.15, so it should be going live every week. Start, you know, going forward around um, you know mid-March or whatever when EC Radio gets back up and running. Live, that is. Um, same thing with WWE EC Radio. But as far as the Raw review goes, like I said, we won't go match by match here because most of the show is centered around Daniel Bryan as it should have been. Um, but I thought it was a good show. You know, I thought putting that stuff aside, you know, obviously, like I said, the show is all about Daniel Bryan. But, um, you know, even disregarding that for a second, and it's hard to kind of put that aside. But I thought it was a good show. We got some, you know, good little things happening. I thought the Dudley Boys heel turn was great. I, I Not that I didn't see it coming. I predicted it on Twitter, as I'm sure many people did. But it's been a long time coming. They returned to the company in August of 2015 to a huge pop. They had a pretty good feed with the New Day, and then they did nothing after that. The WWE had nothing for them. And if you look on paper, we have one too many babyface tag teams right now. We have the Lucha Dragons, who recently reunited with Sin Cara coming back from injury. We have the Usos. We have the Dudley Boys before they turned. We had the Primetime Players, and I'm sure Enzo and Cass are on their way up. I would assume as early as the night after WrestleMania, so... We had one too many babyface tag teams, not enough heel tag teams. We had the freaking Ascension and the New Day. That's it. So I'm glad they're turning the Dudley Boys, and it's kind of a rejuvenation of sorts of their respective characters. And above all else, in my opinion, I'm most excited for a pending feud with the Usos, which I think is amazing. Um, I've been hoping for that feud for a long, long, long time. And I know the Usos talked on Talk is Jericho or 
The Dudley Boys mentioned it um, on Talk of Jericho not too long ago that the first people, it might have been Devon who said it, the first person that when they walked back in the arena at the Barclays Center back in August, the first person they interacted with was Jimmy Uso. And when Jay Uso was coming back from injury, they knew they were going to have some fun in the ring together. And they did last night. They had a very fun eight-man tag team match with the New Day teaming up with Mark Henry. Oddly enough, and thankfully Mark Henry walked out because I don't know whether he was a heel again for, for the millionth time or whatever, but uh, they teamed up against the Dudley Boys and the Usos in an eight-man tables tag team match. That was fun. The Dudley Boys turning on the Usos afterwards, which I'm sure will set up a triple threat tag team title match of some sorts at the pay-per-view, and I'm hoping. I mean, it, I don't know where the New Day fit in at WrestleMania. It's not like there's one dream match I'm hoping to have on the big stage, but I'm hoping we get... Um, a Dudley Boys-Usos match of some sort at WrestleMania, whether it be two-on-two or the triple threat or whatever, that to me is the money match. It's not going to you know, put the butts in the seats you know, alone, but it's a big match for WrestleMania that we've never seen before. It's fresh. The Dudley Boys feel fresh for the first time since they came back. The Usos finally have something they can sink their teeth into. Hopefully we get more character development with them, and they're not just saying, whoa, whoa, like every single week like they were a couple weeks ago. So um, I'm excited for that feud. I'm excited for the tag team division. We have the talent. It's not the talent that's the issue. It's the booking and the lack of fresh tandems. But now that the Dudley boys have turned, they have a ready-made feud with the Usos that have been waiting a long, long time for. The, the, the Rather, the New Day is firing all cylinders as, as, they has been, as they have been for months. We have them as the tag team champions right now. A lot of good things happening right now with the tag team division. The Lucha Dragons are back. We have the League of Nations and also... Like I said, hopefully Enzo and Cass are on the main roster in the tag team division by the night after WrestleMania, which I feel like would be the optimal time to call them up, and that crowd would freaking come unglued. So I can't wait for that. Um, other things from Raw, I thought the Jericho and Miz segment with Miz TV turning into the highlight reel was pretty good, especially when it came down to just Miz and Jericho being serious about their recent shortcomings against AJ Styles. And I said that almost word for word in my Raw review. That's just the first thing that came to my head. So don't think I'm reading off my Raw review from uh, from next to wrestling down that. But I thought it was a good segment. AJ coming out and, and brawling with Y2J and Miz was good. I love how we really haven't heard too much from AJ. Like the commentators and Jericho and Miz talk all about all the success that he had over in Japan and all over the world in Florida wrestling Samoa Joe and Sting. I still get a kick out of that. Um, and AJ himself has not said much. He had that one backstage interview the night after the Rumble, which I thought was good. He talked very, very briefly last week on Miz TV when um, when he attempted to get interviewed by Miz, but Miz kept on pulling the microphone away. I thought that was great. The whole three-way feud between these three I thought has been awesome, and RJ predicted last night, or he proposed, that um, we get a triple threat between the three, and the winner gets an IC title match at WrestleMania. And um, I feel like you could just do a four-way, maybe even with Miz or with Ambrose or whatever. You could, or with Owens, or I don't know what the direction currently is. And I'll talk about Owens in a second. But uh, this whole three-way feud, I think, has been great. We'll talk about it more on Thursday. I don't want to give too much away on WWE EC Radio when we get to our SmackDown preview, as AJ Styles will be facing Chris Jericho. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but it's been great plot development, which is something that we have not been getting recently with Dolph Ziggler and Kevin Owens. Now, their matches have been very, very good. I thought the match last night on Raw was very entertaining from an in-ring standpoint, as they always have, and they have always worked very well together. But like I always say, my, my ultimate question when it comes to anything in wrestling, why should I care? Give me a reason to care. And so far, they have not done so. I like Dolph Ziggler, I love Kevin Owens, but the feud, and it does look like we have finally a feud between the two, which is good, but you would never know because we never get any mic time from either guy. Owens came out. Ziggler came out. They have the match. And that was it. Ziggler won by putting his feet on the ropes. He was able to somehow beat Kevin Owens clean last week. He had to cheat to win this week. I like that dynamic. I don't think it's teasing anything in terms of a Ziggler heel turn. I would love it if it did, but I don't think that's the direction they're going. And I feel like they're just throwing them out there for the sake of throwing them out there and because they have nothing else for these guys to do right now. But yeah, I thought it was a good match. And... The best of, you know, if they build it as a best of three or best of five series, it would mean more. We haven't had one of those in over ten years. I've been begging for one of those for a long time now. Um, put a future title shot at stake, something to make me care. Because the matches are good, and not that I'm caring less and less about Owens, Ziggler just, to me, is 
like I've always said about people like, you know, Fandango feels like damaged goods. He's been around for over 10 years at this point. He's already a two-time former World Heavyweight Champion. If he left tomorrow, it would suck. But at the same time, I could say, well, he's kind of already done it all. I don't really, you know, his presence really... If he was, you know, to be gone tomorrow, it wouldn't make a huge impact on the current roster like Daniel Bryan did. He had a great career, don't get me wrong. I love Dolph Ziggler. I just feel like that they have done so little with him for so long that it's gotten to the people where, where, where it's gotten to the point where people just don't care. And I've talked about before that people are finally starting to realize that, well, crap, I don't think they're going to do anything with this guy. I probably should stop holding out hope that they will be, that a future world title reign is in his future. You know, um, like with Survivor Series, we all had that glimmer of hope that we we're going to finally do something with him and solidify him as a main event star at long last. He was back to being the same old mid-card fodder that he was, that he always had been a month later. And he hasn't been the same since. And he's just been involved in feud after feud after feud that I just don't care about. The guy is just there. And he should be there at this point. He does still have credibility. But this is the same guy who got beat by Heath Slater a, a month ago on Raw. Now he's beating Kevin Owens two weeks in a row. Like, the inconsistency makes no sense to me. That's what always bothers me the most about WWE's booking. Um, we'll see where it goes. I'm not really intrigued. Um, the matches have been good. Maybe they give him a step of some sort. I would not be shocked in the slightest if they put him in the ring against each other again at Fastlane. And they just have a straight-up one-on-one match. And Owens wins that time. Like, Owens deserves better. You know, Dolph Ziggler, I do not at all see him being a, a, in a top match at WrestleMania. Kevin Owens, I think, deserves to. Uh, deserves to be after the past year that he's had in WWE and NXT. A former NXT champion, former Intercontinental champion, three-month reigning IC champion, beat John Cena his first match in, won against Cesaro clean at SummerSlam, beat Ryback a couple times, has beaten Dean Ambrose and a number of others. A great match of the year candidate with Ambrose at the Royal Rumble pay-per-view. The guy deserves better. I talked at length last week about Undertaker Braun Strowman. I really won't talk about it much here today. RJ had a great article up at nextyearwrestling.net right now. You can check it out. Where you listening to the show, obviously. Um, he wrote it, and it got posted yesterday about why the negativity for Braun Strowman is unnecessary and premature. And I did poop on the match a lot last week. I just don't think it's a match. I think there is potential with, there is an upside for Braun Strowman. I just don't think that match with Undertaker is going to draw the casual viewers in or the hardcore viewers are going to care. Diddly squat about it. You know, not even that the match is going to be good or bad. I don't think it's going to be good. I just don't think that there's much that you could do. I mean, what really is the feud going to consist of? You know, I'm sure Undertaker will be on, on TV more than he was last year because I know they wanted to, you know, they wanted to tell the story that we haven't seen him since WrestleMania, whatever. Braun Strowman doesn't talk. He said all of he has said all of maybe two words in the in the time that he's been on the main roster. Undertaker, there's only so many times he can come out with the smoke and mirrors and all that stuff, which is great for him, but there's only so many times he could do that with it feeling without it feeling overdone and cliche and as a tired trope in wrestling. Braun Strowman won't talk. He's not a great worker, as so far from what we've seen. I don't buy the reports that he's like an amazing five-star Matt classic wrestler in the ring or anything like that. He could be better than we think he is. Who knows, but... There's just nothing about a potential program between those two that excites me in the slightest. At least Bray Wyatt last year cut a, a, a string of great promos in promoting that match at WrestleMania. Braun Strowman is not a master of the microphone in the slightest or in the ring. So how could we really get excited about that match? Now I'm reading now, not now now, but I read recently, the WWE scrapped the match because of the fan backlash. Now I know I just said I wouldn't spend too much time on this, but I might as well now. But uh, there have been some updates in this. There was a report on Monday that said that because of the fan backlash regarding that potential match at WrestleMania between Undertaker and Braun Strowman, that they will be scrapping the match, and what the replacement will be, I have no idea. I still say that there's a shot. There is a shot that John Cena will be back in time for WrestleMania. Knowing John Cena the way that we have been for years, um, dating back to when he came back in three months after after suffering a a habilitating injury. I know that's not how you say it, but... Uh, 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 a near career threatening injury back in late 2007 being back in less than three months so knowing that John Cena is capable of that would not be the first I'm sure it won't be the last that he will be a part of Wrestlemania in some capacity whether it's not wrestling who knows but 
Um, I feel like he, there is still a chance he could be back in time. Maybe that's just me holding out hope when I should be, just me being a mark, like some people were holding out for a work last night with Daniel Bryan's retirement, which I don't think was the case, and I'm sure this won't be the case either. But uh, um, I think there is still a sliver of a chance that we see John Cena compete at WrestleMania because I think that's the money match. And even RJ's roommate, um, his doormate, his sweet mate that we talked to last night when I was over his place for watching Raw, he asked him, is that a match you feel like you would be interested in? And that's coming from a perspective of someone who does not watch every single week. He only catches you know, certain parts of the show. He's not really a fan per se, but he does like Black Sheep from what I've seen of him, that what he, the, the work of his that he has seen. And even to him, that's not a match that he's really not, that, he, that he's all that in, intrigued with. And he said himself that I want to see face, I, I want to see Undertaker face the big time players, the money players in WWE, the top tier talent. The guys like the John Cena's who he specifically named out without it, without me saying that there was a shot of that match happening before Cena got hurt, and there still is, like I mentioned. You know, the Brock Lesnar's, the John Cena's, the Triple H's, the big-time players. The same thing with a potential Goldberg return. No one wants to see Goldberg to come back, come back to face freaking Ryback. And that might have been not even a money match. It might have been a match I would be interested in seeing a couple of years ago. Just because Ryback switched up his attire, which I think is a nice change of pace, by the way, I don't think there's a shot in hell of that match happening at WrestleMania. Let's end those discussions right now. When I talk to Goldberg on WrestleRant Radio, you can check out the interview for yourself in late November. Even then, he seemed like there wasn't much interest. And that was November. It's February now, so anything can change in the matter of months, let alone weeks, um, let alone days. Who knows? But at that time, he did not seem too interested at all in, one, talking about wrestling, and two let alone being a WrestleMania 32, you know, even wrestling. So I know WWE reports are circulating that they're trying to sign him right now. I don't think that's going to be possible. I mean, there's a chance. I would love to see it. I'm not, you know, like I've said time and time before, Goldberg is not a person I'm clamoring to come back. But if he did come back, I think it'd be cool because I have yet to see him in WWE since I've been a fan. I saw him in person at Legends of Wrestling last June, which was cool. Um, But I've yet to see him compete or just, appear at, you know alone in WWE. I think it'd be nice. I don't think a match with Ryback is the answer, though. And that's about it. I mean, that was Raw in a nutshell. I thought the show was good overall. Like I said, the Daniel Bryan stuff I thought was amazingly well done from the um, from the video packages and the promo itself, the way it was handled, going on you know going on last, as it should have. I was kind of miffed that um, it didn't go on first and giving the people what they wanted. I, fi- I figured the whole show would just be a whole bunch of Daniel Bryan chants from the hot Seattle crowd last night. And it wasn't. They chanted for Daniel Bryan at the start of the show, and Stephanie came out. We had the contract signing. I'm thinking, oh, they're kicking off the show. This garbage. But the contract signing I thought was really, really good with Lesnar, Ambrose, and Reigns. And I thought the segment they did later on with Ambrose taking a, a beating of a lifetime in the hands of Brock Lesnar was also very well done, and it definitely enhanced my excitement for that match at Fastlane. Like we've said before, it makes absolutely no sense from a storyline standpoint. From an in-ring standpoint, however, I feel like it could be a phenomenal match. And just seeing Ambrose and Lesnar interact alone is cool. Like we said last week, anything fresh with Lesnar is nice. And seeing Lesnar get his heat back to an extent from the opening segment to what we saw later on with him and Ambrose. I know he was, you know, Ambrose was the last man standing and Roman Reigns technically. Um, Lesnar still feels special, in my opinion. So I'm looking forward to that match. I'm looking forward to Fastlane. And speaking of which, next week right here on the show, we're breaking it down. Fastlane predictions with RJ. Hopefully, if he's back, I have no idea what his schedule is for next week, um, What you know, whether he's going in for internship or what have you. We'll find out next week. But whether he's here or not, um, we will be going down our Fastlane predictions for not this Sunday, but next Sunday. So I'm looking forward to that. should be a great show. And, of course, our Raw review with RJ. If he's not here, he might pull in somebody else. But, like I said earlier, thanks once again to John for coming on the show here today. Always great talking to him. Always great shooting the WWE breeze and talking Daniel Bryan, his favorite wrestler in WWE prior to his retirement. So, thanks to John. Follow him on Twitter at GNAPSRingRap. You guys can follow me on Twitter at WrestleRant. Find me on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Grim.Jason.Matthews. On YouTube at YouTube.com backslash C backslash Graham G.S. and Matthews. Check out this very website, nextairwrestling.net, for full written reviews of Raw, SmackDown, Main Event Superstars, Teen Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, Lucha Underground, and everything else in between. And that's about it. WrestleRant Radio will not be live going forward, not like it really was all that much before, like I said earlier. But um, podcast form, every single Tuesday, I'm recording this on Tuesday 
mid-afternoon around 4 o'clock, so the new episode should always be up at the latest by Tuesday night, but look for it. the new episodes to be uploaded every single Tuesday around 6, 7 o'clock, right before Total Divas. You can listen to the show, watch Total Divas if you watch it, or Teen Impact, what have you, for your regular Tuesday night viewing. And also, like I said earlier, check out WWEC Radio. Every single Thursday, the second episode is coming up this Thursday, talking SmackDown, NXT, and everything else going on in the world of wrestling. So as always, guys, thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. I'm Graham G.S. and Matthews, and I'll catch you folks down the road. Have a great week. Yeah.